Hello there, friends. Welcome back to the Institute of World Mission podcast. Let me say right away that today's episode is the second part of the interview between Gabriela Phillips and John McGee. And as you remember, it's on conflict resolution in honor-shame cultures. Fantastic topic, very interesting. But if you haven't heard the first part, it would be best if you did that. So just look down one item in the episode list on your podcasting app. Or, if you are on our website at the moment, listening straight from the web, see the link to part one in the show notes. By the way, friends, last time I invited you to vote whether you'd prefer listening to a longer episode when we have longer interviews, or if we should split those into two episodes like we're doing right now. If you haven't voted, please do. Simply go to iwm.adventist.org forward slash podcast. Once you are there, you will see the poll question right at the top of the page. It's a one-click, three-seconds task. Please help us make the best choice. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org slash podcast to view this podcast's show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. Hi there again, I'm Alex Ott, your host, and today you're listening to the last episode in the year 2019. We are going to let the IWM podcast take a few weeks off just to make a short break after some 55 episodes without skipping a week. Yes, at IWM we had a terrific year. It was so rich with blessings and special guidance from our dear Lord. Besides you being a listener of the IWM podcast, perhaps you recently participated in the Mission Institute program or might be a reader of our blog. Perhaps you have participated in one of our webinars or online courses. If any of this is true, we are so thankful to be able to walk together with you the path of being a cross-cultural servant. This is not an easy path. We know that. And this is why we pray for you daily. As we move into the next year, friends, again, we recommit ourselves to serve you. Together we are on God's mission team, preparing the unreached of this world to see Him coming soon. And now, let's hear the second part of the interview between Gabriela Phillips and John McGee. John, one last story that it's actually my favorite. And by by now, I guess, listeners, I know you are... You can see why I wanted to have this conversation with John. He has so many more rich things that he could share with us, but unfortunately, he's on a tight schedule. So I would like to invite him to share your Pakistan story during the earthquake. Right. 14 years ago, I was asked to go back as a temporary ADRA director in Pakistan right after the earthquake that killed 72,000 people in 90 seconds. Was that the, the most deadliest in your lifetime? Yes, yes. And it was also the most, it was at three months, it was three months of nonstop, basically four hours a night of sleep crisis oh. work. I, I've never experienced anything like it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It took a personal toll on you. It did. And the team that I had was just an incredible team. And, mm. and we accomplished something so far beyond 
my expectations, and I have high expectations for myself and my teams. Whoever's worked with me, they'll be nodding their heads if they ever hear this podcast. But (laughs) but it was way beyond. It was just Mm. way, way beyond. So the particular story I want to tell was uh, my interaction with a particular Patan businessman who was providing the bulk of our material for the buildings that we were procuring, the supplies that we were procuring. At that time, Adra had shifted and we went completely away from tents, which most of the other NGOs were using as the non-perishable supplies to save the lives. And these tents would only be good for one season and they would often burn down because we were saving lives of people that lived above 10,000 feet in the Himalaya Mountains. Wow. And so they would they would make so make they would make fires in the tents and oh, the tents would burn down and yes. sometimes so take dangerous. the lives with them. It was right. very dangerous. Okay. And we're talking minimum 10 feet of snow, 3 meters in oh, those areas. Wow. And and the earthquake happened in October, November and the early part of December when I got up there one week after I got up there, yes. they were supposed to have the snowfall. And so oh, this wow. was this was crisis work mm. to try and get these people covered with some sort of something yes. before the snowfall. Yes. Yeah, okay. Well, so, so we were negotiating price. Mm-hmm. And the context is that after the fact, we did a study and we determined that our product delivery Yes. with an outlay of $2 million yes. U.S. for uh-huh. ADRA yeah. was the exact same delivery of product yeah. that USAID uh-huh. did with $53 million outlay of expense. So wow, that's mind-blowing. That is mind-blowing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that, that gives you the big picture scope context, the right. scope of things. Yes. So how could that be? Right, right, right. This is the this the story. Question. This yeah. story will give you part of the answer. Yeah. Now, part of the answer is that I spoke Urdu, whereas yes. the USA USA AID people didn't. Right. And and they used translators, and so yes. all of a sudden, the translator people could pad their yes. pockets. And part of it is that they paid retail prices, and I. Went straight, so I paid, you know, wholesale prices. But that would only account for about a 50% reduction. Yes, right, right, okay. So here's the answer. Yes. When I would, when I met with this particular gentleman, he -hmm. came in with his Mercedes, with his bodyguards, with his semi-automatic weapon toting people, came up to my little office, sat across the desk from me after I had fed him his chai, and his little biscuits and whatever, and we'd talked, and we'd prayed. Actually, one of the prayer times happened in my office, and we prayed together, Mm. and then we sat. So he already established a connection with you. He knew. I was wearing my... Because you're a believer. I was wearing... You know the local culture. You speak the local language, so... We did our Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim together. In the name of God, most merciful, gracious. Most merciful, yes. Right. So he had found out that I was born in... In Pakistan, I had spent six years of my life, early life in Peshawar, where he was mm. from. And he was younger than I, so he was calling me a younger brother. By that time, mm. you know, by half an hour of establishing, before we started talking anything about business, mm-hmm. we were establishing contact as, as not only as social contact, but yes. on a spiritual level, right. all on all of those levels in a fairly short amount of time. I told him, I said, 
ऐसे जनाब ये बंदूक वाला इनका कोई ज़रूरत नहीं है दीज गाइज कैरिंग गन्स वी डोंट नीड दैम वन वी आर वी आर प्रेंग हियर एंड वी आर टॉकिंग अबाउट अल्लाह वाई डू वी नीड दीज गाइड गो डाउन गेट इन दॉ they were all they were right in the office he right. said oh yeah chado yeah get out get out of here get so out these here. are a sign so, of deep trust yes we, we were building trust and and this right. was all it was part of my plan yes. to help him know that in adra at least the adra office we were running yes we we didn't need that we right. we we actually We operating with a that. different dynamic. We were operating with a different yes. dynamic. Yes. Okay. So, so after all that, I sat across mm-hmm. from him and I said to him, "You know, every one of these little." And I was buying from him the corrugated, the steel covering mm-hmm. for the for the for the roofing. Roofing. Okay. And he had the best quality in all of the provinces. Okay. Okay. So his was the factory. Yeah. He had the highest production. and the highest quality because mm-hmm. i had asked my people to find the person that had that so yes. he was the best of the best mm-hmm. and so he so i said to him i said now we're going to buy the best quality and we're going to buy exclusively from you and from all of your factories yes. and we're going to save lives every one of everything that we buy this is not for hotels it's not for making money everyone every so single every cent of square centimeter of every cubic centimeter of everything that you sell to me yes is going to save a life this winter in the next three weeks it's going to save a life wow wow so then i said to him so under the name of allah yes. please give me your worship price wow so he cut his price from what the market was down by about a tenth mm. and that's why we paid 2 million dollars for right. the stuff that USAID paid 53 right. million dollars for right, right. so basically let me unpack what you did please you establish an identity as a believer in a different and we're operating on a level of trust okay trust. And so then you invite her to partner financially with you by saying give me your best price. Yes. As partners who trust each other. And then from there you took it to the next level. It's like now you're not only partnering with me, but you are partnering with God. With God. And so I am giving you I'm empowering you, I'm honoring you by inviting you to partner with God and with me in this project of saving lives. Yes. So you really honor him in a tremendous way but being able to be part of this rescue operation yes and partner through his factories and so forth and he recognized that immediately and he responded to that by giving you such a good deal so the conversation shifted from how much money to how can we worship god Yes. giving our very best and how our very best looks like for me means sleeping four hours every night and coming all the way from the comfort of Seattle to being in the mountains of Pakistan how would that look like for you yes and so what, by the time you left that place I might want to assume assume that you were not just a business partner but you have become a friend with this man yes. and that if you go back to Pakistan that team will always be warm there for you and the conversation will continue where it started 
Yes, yes. And what I will say is that he delivered all of his stuff, his product to us in trust. We normally would pay up front. He didn't ask for that. Mm. He said, I will deliver. But when I deliver, you pay me in cash, which is normal. The day that the cash was supposed to be in the bank in Ralpindi, the day that he was coming for it, after he had delivered his stuff, the cash was in Ralpindi, Mm. but the bank said, we don't have it. And that was another miracle story of how we had to go by motorcycle to three different banks to collect cash, all without any guards. To fulfill your commitment. To fulfill about a million dollars worth of rupees, which was a huge amount in huge sacks of cash on little motorcycle going from bank to bank to bank all day on a Sabbath, breaking the donkey's bank, the ox's bank, the ox's back on a Sabbath, bringing huge bags of cash unguarded to our little office so that by sundown, when his big truck came to collect the cash, we got there five minutes before it arrived, and we were able to give him. So that was your that side cash. of the worship. That was our side of the worship. <laughs> John, I I am very grateful for the, the conversation that we had so far, and I want to pick up now some of the the different pieces here. And first of all, your last story remind me of a quote from the Spirit of Prophecy in the book Evangelism. It says something along the lines that. God has already prepared people on the ground, on the so-called pagan lands. He already has his people so that when the missionary comes, they will recognize and together they will partner with God. And so what you did is you used the local language and local forms to basically incarnate that principle. That when we go out there, we are not going to fight we are going also to identify who are the people God has already been pre- uh, preparing. And the best way to identify those people is by honoring them. So you talk about giving well, giving gifts to people as symbolically a way to reconcile. Second, taking the bad moments, if we can call it somehow, as teaching moments to understand that you needed to go deeper and see what's happening with your second story of the elders refusing the Muslims into the church. And your third story, it's a story where our call is actually for people to serve God. And when we invite them to do that, much of the difference, the cultural difference can be put aside because now we are coming to a common place of worship. Is there any last word that you would like to, to leave before? I need to let you go. Because yes, well, I, all I can say is that in every one of these stories, I had no... I had no game plan. Mm, okay. There was no, you know, I'm I'm a teacher, I'm a preacher, yeah. I'm a project manager, yeah. and I'm an ADRA guy, and yeah. we're all taught you prepare your project, you prepare a plan, yeah, you prepare line, a proposal. Right. I mean, yeah. I've taught proposal writing, and I'm all about planning. Yeah. But in every one of these situations, there was no plan. So God took over. Yeah. I will just have to say, the best times of my life, and the best occasions of my life have been those times where I could see miraculous interventions and dynamics happening that I just 
kind of wow. said, oh, my Lord. It takes God to do this. It, it takes God to do this. Amen. Really, truly, Amen. Amen. yes. John, thank you for reminding us that we have been called to a ministry of reconciliation. Amen. And uh, often we won't explain too many things, and we are very willing to enter into this difficult situation. Said God, you are my game plan. You did have Praise game plan, God. but he is your game plan. Praise God. Thank you so Amen. much. I would like to share a couple more thoughts that I would do as soon as our guest has to leave, unfortunately. Otherwise, I would squeeze a few more stories from him. Thank you, Thank John. You. Thank you so much. God bless you. And looking forward to a future conversation. Well, John has just left us and kind of wrapping up this conversation. There is so much more that could have been said. He had more stories, but I could like to take just a few minutes to go over some content that if you are interested in expanding, you can do so by going to the book of Ministering on Ocean Context that was written by Jason George. The information will be will be provided alongside this podcast as a resource for you. And he has developed six very helpful principles or keys for reconciling once something has gone wrong, either when you had to deal with a potential problem, doing it in a way that will preserve the relationship, that will honor the person, or once the relationship is broken, how can you mend it in such a way that that which was meant for evil eventually become something of good. So he uses this expression, number one, use a cover, meaning use a way for a person to avoid losing face while sending the message across that there is a problem. For example, here's an example. Instead of asking someone, well, hey man, why are you late? With an accusing tone of voice, you can say, are you okay? I was wondering, I've been waiting for you for a while. I learned this in Egypt that when people, we invite them to our home and they couldn't come instead of saying, no, no, I'm sorry, we can't. They will say something like, inshallah, which eventually I understood meant no, but it was a relational no. And so I will understand that it will be another time. Now, we might not be able to say inshallah. Not all of us are working in a context where this will make sense. But you can say, oh, thank you so much. I will take this as a rain check. I'm sure there will be another occasion when this will work out. And I would love to spend time with you. That is what we mean by a cover. What it means is it preserves the relationship while addressing the issue at the same time. This one here is very important and is reconciled symbolically. Did you see how when the prodigal son comes home, immediately the father said, hey, bring a robe, put a ring on his finger. I mean, who needs a ring? I get it, a robe. The guy might be a bit cold or half naked. Okay, I get it. He might be, I don't know, barefoot. And so father is saying, bring some shoes, let him come back with uh, his feet covered. Okay, but a ring? What's the purpose of bringing a ring? And then he says, don't, he didn't ask for a calf to be killed, but he says, get the fatted calf. It's, it's the one that every family is keeping for major celebrations. So this is a way, a non-verbal way, because this is all part of the ownership culture. There's a lot of communication that goes on that is non-verbal. So what Father is saying is, if you get a ring, it means I am welcoming you in a place of authority. And by kidding the father calf, he is signaling that this is a big deal for the family. This is a day of celebration. 
This is the, the kind of animal people kill when they were at weddings or something very, very big happened. So you, you don't have a, a big calf to kill, but you know what? You can host someone. And please, when you do so, do not have a very simple meal, but be generous. Big dishes at the table, a lot of food. And by doing this publicly or praising somebody, they will understand that you are seeking reconciliation. So when somebody does something wrong to you and you invite them to, to eat at your house and they come and they praise you, maybe the reconciliation of, you know, I did this and it was wrong, my neighbor happened. But just by coming and praising you is their way of asking for that apology and, and allow for that symbolic apology if that takes place. The third idea is to, to be a client. To be a client means allow the other person to, to take you as a patron. So here, Jason George is using a story which is very similar to one I experienced when he was in Central Asia. He was trying to take a carpet on the airplane, but the check-in attendant says, no, 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 it's too, it's too heavy for a small plane. But if you give me $50, you know, I might be able to find a way to get it through. It was obvious what this was all about. You know, you have a foreigner face and it's very easy for us foreigners to get upset immediately and say, I'm not paying anything. Call your manager and make a big issue. And at that time, Jason George was traveling with his mom alongside him. And so he turned very quietly towards the check-in attendant and said, please help me. My mother is visiting from another country, and this is the first time. And she bought this carpet as a gift for us, and I would be very embarrassed if I cannot take it home. And I think she would be very upset or think badly of this country. Do you think you can do something about it? So you see how he changed the relationship from I'm a very powerful Westerner that has money, and you're in a person of power, now we're in a power struggle, to I recognize that you're a person of power. And I would like to appeal if you will be willing to use your power in a way to, to help us in this situation. So by becoming a client, the situation was resolved. And in pat patron-client environments, this is a way of, of solving problems, which basically means making a request. We see Jesus doing that, you know, the Samaritan, he's asking for, for water. And so he's making himself a client to this woman before he engages in a further conversation. Very important in his idea of honoring the guest, believe it or not, receiving honor as a guest actually gives honor to the host. So receiving indicates that they possess an honor that they can grant to you, which makes them feel secure in their relationship as equals. So reciprocate when, when someone goes and invites you to their home and they say oh you are we're so honored to have you here please tell them also how honored you are there and how grateful you are for their generosity and be be grateful for people's hospitality sometimes we don't understand the fifth one which is the one that has to do with gifts we say, well, we don't want to get into the gift saying because we don't want to create a relationship of dependency. We are very concerned about dependency, but this is not a concern that people's ownership context have because they they operate within a frame of dependency. All of them are interconnected. The patron, 
depends on the client, but also the client has something that offers to the patron. So in the honor, shame grammar, no gift means no thank you. I don't want to have a relationship with you. So gifts are the invisible glue that binds people in the relationship. So don't be afraid of uh, receiving gifts and don't be afraid of giving gifts and understanding that this is the way that you say, yes, I'm receiving you in the form of this gift. We already talked about this a little bit before, so I'm not going to go any further. And finally, be, be willing to be a patron. In the story of John, he was a patron when he brought these both women together that always obviously were looking at him as a patron by virtue of being a white foreign missionary. The fact that he was able to go to their land, but they couldn't go to his land already puts him in a position of power. But he used that power to bring reconciliation. And so as a big man, he sees these women and he invites them to receive the gift of their dishes. And by doing that, they were invited to put behind the old grudges and move forward. I remember some time ago, I was inviting people who did not get along among themselves. And I wanted to create a a space where reconciliation could happen. And so I asked a friend of mine who's a Syrian, very wise man, and said, what do I do every time I say so-and-so? Would you come to my house for lunch? He says, who else is coming? Because I wanted to check that the other person wasn't there. And so he says, well, next time you invite them and they ask you, is so-and-so coming? What you say is, you are coming. And by doing that, they will immediately know that this is this is good enough for you. And I actually invite you to reconcile. Sure enough, I did that. I told these two, two people, please come. And they say, so-and-so coming. And who else is coming? And I said, well, you are coming with a big smile and graciously, obviously. Now that's an order from headquarters. And these people came in out of respect for our home and the love that exists between us and them, they they were polite to one another, then we invite them a second time, and by the third time, they reconcile symbolically, and beautiful things happen. So anyway, I hope this was helpful to you, and we still have one more presentation to to record in the next few days, and with that, we'll be concluding our series in honor shame. If you have any particular question, feel free to send it, and we would love to entertain that. In the meantime, God bless you. And remember that the ministry of reconciliation is something God is very vested. And like John said, he didn't have a plan at the moment, but God gave him that divine wisdom and common sense. And sometimes when we are new in a context, it is okay for us to ask people that we see as godly people, not how do you deal in the culture, because the cultures are always fallen and many things that people do in the culture are wrong anyway. But ask people who are within the culture, who are godly people, so how do you deal with the situation and be willing to learn? And I know God will God will bless us. And if we make mistakes, obviously we will. He also has the grace for us to learn from those experiences like John did and turn that into teaching moments that might impact ministry in the future. God bless you. And and I hope that you will keep tuned for more podcasts from the Institute of World Mission. From me, Gabby Phillips, thank you so much. And God be with you. All right. At this point, on behalf of the Institute of World Mission team, 
And not only that, but also on behalf of the International Service Employees Support Team and also the IPRS and others whom you well know in the General Conference family of mission services, we all wish you a wonderful Christmas holiday season, friends. Of course, if that's something that's a notable part of your life, we wish you a blessed new year. I will be back with you with the next episode of the IWM podcast, which will be episode number 56, and it will come out on January 15th. My name is Alex Ott, and I will see you in the new year. Mm-hmm.